0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I went to get mom's dog to take him outside, and she kind of woke up, and I said, hey, mom, and she said, yeah, and she said, what, what is it, and I said, uh, Mark Tuttle went stepped over into eternity, she said, oh, thank God he's in heaven, uh, so I just want to lift them up, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him when we get into the word, but, um, he, um, uh, he, he left behind, uh, a wonderful God-fearing woman that just absolutely God blessed him with, Miss Venice, and he has a, a son that also has come to know the Lord and um, thank God. And, and uh, so and then he's got several uh, sisters and a brother that are still here and uh, several nieces and nephews and and uh, but we just rejoice that he's in heaven tonight. And uh, so we're just gonna so when I pray, I'm gonna pray for the Wade family because uh, it's an extent it's just that's the easiest way to lift that family up, <laughs> and uh, then we'll go from there. But let's start off with our confession tonight. This is my Bible. It is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words, God's actions are my actions, I am a doer of the word. Well, glory to God. Well, let's pray and lift up this family tonight. And, uh, well, Father, let me get rid of my gum here. We just ate Mexican, so I had, I had to freshen up a little bit. That's just all, of the, just more information for you. <laughs> let's pray. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we lift your name on high. We bless you with all spiritual blessings. We bless you with all might, power, honor, and dominion. Father, we bless you. Oh, we bless you. We thank you, Father, for you are our our strong tower. Father, you are our hiding place and our rescue. You are our shield and our buckler, Father God. Father, you're our provider, our healer, our all in all. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end of all things. Lord Jesus, we give you glory and honor for you are our advocate. You are our, oh, you are our paraclete. You are our atoning lamb. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for taking our place in hell. And Father, we're so thankful that you've seated us. Our Lord Jesus, at your right hand, and you've seated us right there with him. Holy Spirit, we're so thankful that you lead us, guide us, that you advocate for us. You are our comforter, our peace. Oh, Father, we're so thankful for the full Godhead, for the full Trinity. Now, Father, as we come to you tonight, Father, I lift up my family, the Wade family, to you. I lift up Vernice to you, and I lift up John to you, Father God. Father, comfort in the rest of the family. Father, comfort Venice as she enters in to this new stage of life—the life as a widow without her husband. And but, Father, we thank you that you sent her to Mike in the in these last years. And, Father, what a blessing she's been to him and he's been to her. And, Father, we rejoice and we give glory that Mike's been received into eternity, into heaven, that he's, re- that he's still just taking it all in, that he's been reunited with his uncle and with his brother and with his parents and with, the, and with those that have gone on before him. And, Father, we just ask that you comfort and with his son also. And, Father, we just thank you. Oh, we thank you that he's not gone, but he's in our future. Father, we ask that you comfort, give wisdom, peace, knowledge to, to Venice and to John and to the rest of the family is just how to move forward. Give them supernatural comfort. Give them supernatural ability to go on in this life. And, Father, we just give you glory and honor. Father, we ask that your hand be upon all of his brothers, all of his sisters, all of his nieces, nephews, and extended family and, Father, as we approach your word tonight, we ask that you just lead us and guide us, that you direct us according to your word, that you bring supernatural wisdom, revelation, that you think through my mind, you speak through my lips, that you plant and water the seed of the good ground of the heart of the people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, we're going to continue our study on the shepherd tonight, on the shepherd on the shepherd is where we're going we're to kind of pick up there. Um, and uh, it's very important that you find your shepherd. It's very important that you find your shepherd. It's very important that you stay with your shepherd. And it's very important that you heed to the voice of your shepherd. Uh, because somebody's life could hang in the balance. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Somebody's life could hang in the balance. So back in 2000... Started a very hard, long course for my family. Uh, I had actually in 1999, I had been in a car accident. I was T-boned in the driver's door. Um, A week later, one intersection up from where I was, there was an an identical accident with the same rates of speed, and the driver that got T-boned in that accident died. Uh, I remember um, when you could hear the ambulances and the fire trucks coming, um, and of course, you know, that was when they started cutting the, the sirens off about a mile before they get to you to help keep you calm, but I could already hear them. And, uh, in fact, when that, when the when the sirens stopped, my friend kind of freaked out a little bit. I said, they're close. They've, they aren't, they've stopped. That means they're close. And I remember distinctly, uh, because I knew that I had injured my back and I told my friend, I said, don't move, don't move. And I said, just, just be still, let them, get to, let them get to us, don't move. And I remember distinctly when the firefighters came up, uh, they actually, when they looked at my car, they actually called, they actually, one of them yelled back, two of them yelled back to the other ones and said, get the jaws of life. And I, and, and, uh, and uh, then when they got to the car, one of them said, hold on, hold on, let, I don't think this is going to work, but let me try it. There was a teeny little triangle of my door handle left. And he said, I'm going to try this first, and he popped the, the, that little triangle in my door handle, and my door popped open. He said, I can't believe it. Now, what had happened right before we hit impacted, I, I knew, you know, it's like everything kind of supernaturally slows down. Everything kind of just slowed down, and I knew we were going to be hit because the person was running a stop sign, and there was nowhere for me to go. In fact, there was a straight embankment on the, on this side, and he was coming from this side, and there was an embankment. And there was nowhere I could go and uh, I couldn't stop in time. And uh and uh but he but as so as soon as I knew that I was gonna be hit, up out of my I I remember this vividly, up out of my spirit, because I remember thinking, where did that even come from? But now I know it. Up out of my spirit, I went, Jesus. Yes, and it wasn't like a profanity. It was like a desperate cry for help. And uh, I believe that's the only reason we walked away from that accident. And, um, uh, and uh, priorly that year, Michael and I had been told we'd never have children. Uh, and uh, actually a couple years before that. Um, so in 98, my stepdad went home to heaven. Uh, in 99, we were told we would never have children. And then we were, and then I was in a car accident that put me out of work for seven years, and uh, it was it was a bad time. And from '98 to uh, um, the next four years, we had nine deaths in our family, nine deaths in four years' time. Um, The first one was my stepdad. The second one. Was my grandfather six months later in fact when my grandfather got the word that my dad that my my dad to me my stepdad had passed away my granddad crawled in the bed and quit he quit he just actually technically he sat down on the closet floor and quit my grandmother finally got into the bed and that's where he quit and six months later he stepped over into eternity and it was just hit after hit after hit after hit in our family. And one of the hits that we hit, uh, one of the ones that really hurt, um, was my, my second cousin, Mikey. Uh, with, uh, Mikey uh, had just graduated high school. We had gone to his graduation, uh, and he had just graduated high school. And a few months later, being a teenager, uh, he was driving some very hardcore – you have to understand my family. I learned how to drive from my stepdad – who was a stock car racer in his younger years, um, you know, and, and they were, they, they he came up through doing junking business, and so how I learned defensive driving was he gave me a little, he, he had this little uh, Fiesta, little, little car, little stick shift and, and in the junkyard, and he said, you can go out, run through the junkyard all you want, don't hit one of the chickens, and those chickens weren't afraid of anything. The chickens would jump right out in front of you, and you'd have to learn how to dodge them and things like that, and this, just, this, just the way this family was, and uh, they just rugged, they just rough, they like to drive fast and be crazy, and in fact, uh, the crazier, the better, they just did, they about killed me on the Okoe one year, and that's a whole other story in and of itself, but I about died on the Okoe one year, because it just, the wilder, the better, um, but uh, in the midst of this, Mikey uh, was hitting these real big curves at probably a hundred plus and missed one of the curves and hit a tree dead on and went home to glory. What we found out at his funeral is he had just gone to his pastor and told his pastor that he had dedicated his life to the Lord and he knew that he was called to the ministry. It's what we found out at the funeral. I thought, wow. Now, see, we at that point, we had the Lord had gotten our attention, and uh, in fact, I went to church to. To prove that mom was listening to a cult, and the Lord got my attention, and said, "No, this is power of God," and uh, and he got my attention real quick. This pastor did, and from that day forward, I drove every week five hours to church. I would. I'd go. I'd. i We lived in Charlotte. Mom was here in Murphy. The church was here in Murphy. This pastor that challenged me, that I thought was leading a cult, um, he. He challenged me. He's like, oh, you want to prove that, I, prove the wrong, prove that I'm wrong? Go for it. He, I mean, he took it with everything he had. Um, I mean, he did everything he could to help, prove, help me prove that it was a cult because he knew it wasn't. He knew what he preached was the word of God, and he knew that the word of God would take care of itself. And uh, in that, I learned the word, but I didn't realize I was learning the word. See, when you get in the word and you study the word, when you listen intently to the voice of your shepherd, when you listen with intent, with you, when you listen with an intent to learn, when you listen with an, inter- an intent, there's, you have a purpose. There's a, it's not I'm just checking off a box, but I'm here to, to get something. Now, in the beginning, I was there to get that he was in a cult. But over time, I figured out, man this, man, this man knows God. This man knows God. And then I said, well, I want to know God like he knows God. So every time I went into the service, I just every, every, I, I hung on every word. I listened to every word. I wrote down every scripture, and I went back. And even after I figured out he knew God, I still went back every single service. I wrote down the scriptures that he said, and I, and I, and I took just enough note to know what he meant by that scripture. And then I went back, and I checked him scripture for scripture every, every single service. From Wednesday to Sunday, from Sunday to Wednesday, I double-checked him. Because he had an anointing and a gifting to speak into our life like nobody else. Because of him being dedicated to God, my uncle or my cousin Mike is in heaven tonight. Because uh, when his son died and stepped over into eternity, just a few months later, he I believe he died in August or September. At Christmas, their house burned down. And they lost everything. Every piece of his son that he had left, he lost in that fire. A month and a half later, his wife left him for a man in prison. He lost everything. Everything. His life was in total ruin. There was no hope to be had. None. But there was something that my family did. See, my stepdad had a sister who had seven kids. And, and a lot of times she was on, the, on her own or her husband was off working or whatever. So a lot of times she had the seven kids by herself. And so anytime these wild kids would get a little too wild, get a little too crazy, the punishment was go see your Uncle Richard and Aunt Anne. And they'd come and stay with us. So they grew up with us. I mean, they were almost like brothers and sisters to us in some regards. They were in and out of the house all my life and, uh, and, and just being crazy. And uh, so when, when uh, Uncle Richard, my stepdad, moved to heaven, and then little Mikey moved to heaven, and then the house burned down, and then his wife divorced him for a, for a criminal, um, he didn't have anybody to turn to but a and he'd call Mama at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. He'd call her 9, 10 o'clock at night. Sometimes he'd call 11, 12, 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. And he'd call her and she'd answer the phone. And he'd say, Aunt Anne? And she'd say, yeah. He said, I'm just calling to say goodbye. And she said, what are you talking about? He said, I can't do it anymore. He said, I'm driving on this mountain. I'm up here in the Shenandoahs. I'm up on a big mountain and I'm fixing to just run my rig right off the road. No you're not, Mike. No, you're not. And mom was dealing with the loss of her of her husband and her dad and she didn't know what to do. And she'd say, Robbie, talk to him, I can't do it. Talk to him, I can't do it. And I'd get on the phone with him. And I'd sit on the phone with him for hours. Mike, you can't do this. Little Mikey, Mikey's in heaven. Mikey's in heaven. You run your you run that truck off that mountain right now, and honey, you're headed to hell. You'll never see your son again. I got that bold. And meantime, while I'm saying those words, I'm shocking myself because I've never talked to him in this manner. I said, "No, your God took my son. No, honey, my God made a way for your son. My God, in fact, my God under my 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 God is so full of love. Your son." chose to dedicate his life to him right before he went to glory and i would just begin to i would begin to speak out of my spirit and i didn't even know what to do how to do it i just began to speak things to him and he said no i'm done i'm done i'm hanging he said i'm he said i need you to hang up because i'm fixing to drive this thing i'm not hanging up if you're going to i said if you're going to run that truck off that off that road right now i'm going to hear every piece of it i'm going to hear you the instant you die is that what you want for me He's about 10 years older than me, about 9 years older than me. No, I need you to hang up. I'm not hanging up. You you need to receive Jesus. You need to pray this prayer with me. This went on for months, for several months. And finally, one night he called at about 11 o'clock at night. I'll never forget it. He called at 11 o'clock at night. And mom talked to him for probably close to an hour, and she finally just, I mean, just handed me the phone. She said, I can't do it anymore. And I just grabbed that phone, and I said, I said, give it to me. I said, I'll take it. And I sat on that phone with him until 2.30 in the morning, and he's weeping and crying and sad and broke, broke, broke. And all I could tell him was, Mike, you're loved. Jesus loves you. God loves you. Your son's not gone. Mike, come on. From the place that you love your son, from that place that you're hurting so badly, that's your heart. From that place, pray this prayer with me. Come on, Mike. In an instant of time, your life will change instantly. Just from that place. Now, I'm not talking about praying it out of your head. I'm talking about praying from the place that you're hurting. Pray this prayer with me. Between... Thick sobs of tears, he prayed the prayer of salvation. And instantly, things began to turn around in his life. Instantly. See, because he prayed it from the heart. Instantly. We took authority over that spirit of suicide that night. I prayed the prayer of salvation, then we took authority over that spirit of suicide. And I said, you'll never do that again. I said, we'll never have this conversation again Other than, as far as you trying to kill yourself because you'll never do it again. You are now a child of God. You're now full of the love of God. You now have the light of God on the inside. Darkness cannot touch you. Darkness cannot come near you. We've got you. We're family for eternity. You will see your son. You will see your Uncle Richard. You will see Nana and Chenchen Chin in the future. Those were his parents. That's what we called them. I said, you will see them. I said, they're 100% in your future. He would not have stepped over to eternity today had I not been under the pastor that God called me to that year. Because without having a pastor to teach me the word, and to teach teach me how to walk in the love of God, and to teach me how to pray for boldness, and to teach me how to speak out of my spirit, had I not had my pastor that was willing to teach me those things, I wouldn't have known what to say, and I would have heard him kill himself. It's critical that you get under the right shepherd. Your life depends on it. The life of your family and your friends depends on it. Um, it was not coincidence. After Mike was saved, we saw the rest of the family come. Uh, we we saw the rest of the family come to salvation one by one. Now, have they always lived it clean? No. No. Uh, is the devil trying to take some of them out? Yes. Has the devil taken some of them out? Yes. One of them uh, went out of here prematurely. The devil convinced him to, to, to um, get his friend to kill him. He didn't have a choice. It was him or the other one. Uh, It was a a no-choice situation. But I said all of that to say this. It's critical that we understand the importance of a shepherd. It's not enough to just read your word at home. It's not enough to just pray. It's not enough. You have to be taught. that's why Jesus looked out over the multitudes and he said... He was moved, and it said that he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep having no shepherd. On that on that night, back there in 2021, I will never forget it. I'll never forget it. That night uh, was the night that I figured that I learned. Wow, there's more in me than I realized. Because I was sitting there, it was like I was sitting, I was, I mean, yes, I was sitting on my bed and I was talking to my, talking to the, talking on the phone to my cousin, but at the same time, it was like I was watching myself say things that I didn't even know were in me, that I didn't even know that I knew, and it was simply because I had submitted to a shepherd, simply because I had submitted to a shepherd, um, and so I'm, uh, and, and it was amazing uh, it was a couple, just, just a few years later, after he was, uh, after he, um, was uh, saved, a few years later, he started having some heart problems and had a couple of small strokes and some heart attacks, which I told you, they lived wild. They lived wild. But even in the midst of his sickness, even in the midst of that, the Lord brought him a wife that loved Jesus. Jesus. And she would because, he would, because he struggled with reading because of the stroke and stuff, she would read in the scriptures and she would help him memorize scriptures and she did healing scriptures with them. And, I mean, it was just an amazing, it's just been an amazing walk to see how the Lord took my cousin Michael, who was crazy and wild, into the loving arms of Christ to where he, he'll, he would talk to you about Jesus. It was just amazing to see how God would do that. And so when I, when I got the word this morning that he had stepped over to glory, I, I actually was a little overcome because I said, Lord, he's the first one I ever led to Christ. I said, he's the first one. And, Lord, it wouldn't have gone down that way had I not yielded to, a shepherd, to the shepherd that you called me to. And so it's very important that we understand not everybody that stands in the pulpit is, um, is actually a God-called, God-anointed, God-appointed shepherd or pastor. It's also very important to understand that just because somebody is, a call, is called, anointed, and appointed by God doesn't mean that they're the shepherd for you. Now, that sounds a little crazy, um, and I was talking to Brother Randy not that long ago about this. I said, you know, Brother Randy, I said, you know, I said, Pastor Tommy, you know we had that connection. That was my pastor, and, and, uh, and I said, and yep, we submitted under his son-in-law and his daughter, um, but you know what, that just, and, and that was fine, and we called him pastor, and we, you know, exalted him as pastor because the Lord said, that's where I've planted you, so that's where you go. But we haven't had that pastor connection since Pastor Tommy. And I said, and I'm really struggling. And I really thought that this one pastor over here was going to be the one. I said, but there's a hold in my spirit. But it's not because of him. It's because of something else. And I said, so you know. And I saw Brother rainy, I said, you know. I said, I get it. Your office is not the pastor's office. Your office is the is the prophet's office. And I don't ever want to put you in the pastor's office. Because you're my spiritual dad. I said, but sometimes I need you to fulfill that role. And every time I do, you're wonderful to do that for me. And I thank you so much. I said, but trust me, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm, I'm, I'm following the Lord. Lord, where is our pastor? Because what you have to understand is in AFI, we're connected to a lot of pastors. And a lot of very good pastors. And I learn a lot of things from them. But that thing that says, that's your pastor? It's not there. It's just not there. And so it's very important. Well, you're talking to your own people, I know, but I'm also talking to people online. But here's the deal. If you don't, know, if you don't have that knowing, you need to talk to the Lord. Because honestly, ours, our, mine and Michael's heart is not about getting people in the, in the pews. It's about getting people under the right pastor, getting them in the right shepherd. So John chapter 10 we're going to pick back up here. Last week, we looked at um, Psalms, uh, um, the Lord's Prayer in Psalms, and or um, Psalms 23. Of course, we looked at that. I'm sorry, not 23. Sorry, just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, where'd it go? Y'all know it. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, yeah. 23, oh, you know why I didn't read right? Psalms 23, because I was in Proverbs 23 now. I wonder why that didn't look like. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, thou shalt not want. He maketh me to lay down in green pastures. We we looked at some of the characteristics of a good shepherd last week. And then we started in John 10, and I want to start in John 10, 10 tonight. In uh, John 10, 10, Jesus is speaking. And Jesus says, verily, verily. When Anytime Jesus says, verily, verily, anytime something is repeated in the Greek language, uh, it, it adds um, strength, it adds integrity, it adds sincereness. It means he, basically what Jesus is saying is you need to sincerely pay attention to this because I am telling you an infallible truth. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door of the sheepfold. Now, we talked last week about the sheepfold. John 10, 10, or John 10, 1. John 10, 1. Sorry, John 10, 1. John 10, 1. So sorry. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door of the sheepfold. We talked about last week, what is a sheepfold? A sheepfold is a giant pen. It's a very large area that um, typically in, in Palestine and in um jerusalem and in that region of the world in judea and, and the whole region syria that whole region of the world what they do is they make walls they take a very large area of land and they build a lo- a, a, a wall that's about waist high of rock and then they have a uh, vine or thorns that grow up on the wall or at the top of the wall um and so when the shepherds after they've had their sheep out grazing all day, they, for safety, shepherds from all over, the, all over the land would bring their sheep into what's called the sheep fold. We would call it a giant corral or a giant fence. But they would bring the sheep into the sheep fold. They would bring their flocks. And um, there could be hundreds or thousands of sheep in a sheep fold. And the reason they would do this was for the sheep to be safe at night uh, because people like to sneak into uh, the sheep fields and they like to steal sheep, but they also there were also predators, um, primarily wolves in the area, that would like to get to the sheep if they were left in the, grass, in the grazing fields and they would um, attack and kill the sheep. So to keep people, and, were, and you say, well, why would people steal the sheep? Because they were worth money. They were worth a lot of money. And so what they would do is they would bring the sheep to the sheepfold at the end of the day. And and in these corrals, there's only one gate. There's only one way in and one way out. And there was a porter that kept the gate. And unless you were an actual shepherd that had your flock in that fold, you weren't allowed in there. And the porter knew all of the shepherds that had sheep in the sheepfold. And so he says this, he that entereth, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door of the sheepfold, uh, but climbeth up, uh, or or, um, entereth in, we could say, climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. He said, if you come into this area, if you come in, to the sheepfold, some other way, uh, that word climbeth up means if you ascend up to rise up or to spring up. In other words, if uh, you are in and amongst the sheep in the sheepfold, and poof, you just all of a sudden spring up, uh, but you didn't come through the door, then you're a thief or a robber. Then you're a thief or a robber. And that word thief... Uh, Is very interesting. That word thief in other areas um, is, well, the definition of this word thief um, means an embezzler, a pilferer. It's actually a name transferred to false teachers, to false teachers. So what we need to understand is Jesus is not talking about sheep here. Jesus is talking about the church. And he said, and so that what is the sheepfold? The sheepfold is the church universal. The church universal. And who are the shepherds? The shepherds are the pastors of the churches. But they're to bring their sheep. See, as pastors, Mike and I, we present you to Jesus, to the Father of God. We say, this is our flock. These are our sheep. These are our sheep. But if somebody goes into the sheepfold that God didn't call to be a shepherd, it says, Jesus said, he, he or she is a thief and a robber. They're, he said they're a false teacher. They're, they're an embezzler. They're taking something that doesn't belong to them. That's what he's talking about right here. He said... But he that entereth in the door, or entereth in by the door, is the shepherd of the sheep. Remember, there's a porter at the sheepfold. There's some, there's a man. There's a guard at the door, and he said, the ones that come in through the door, those are the ones that are the shepherds. Now that's going to be real important when we get down a few verses. A few verses, he said. But this is what he said. He said, if you'll come in through the door, that's the actual shepherd, or That's the actual pastor. He said, to him, the porter openeth. Now, check this out. It says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. Now, this is really cool. We pointed this out last week that in the Eastern world, the sheep are trained according to their name. They train their sheep, they name their sheep just like we name our sheep, just like we name our cats and our dogs. Um, When where a cat won't listen to you, well, sometimes they'll come by name, depending on the cat and the person. But, you know, but the sheep, when they hear their name called by their shepherd, they'll come. And I talked about Truman in reference to this. And, um, you know, we have the little chihuahuas, and, of course, Truman is mine. And Dylan is mom's. And we alternate who takes the dogs out. Now, if mom goes out, she'll go, Dylan, Dylan. Hey, mom, what's happening? Meanwhile, she's going, Truman, 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 where are you? Truman, Truman, Truman. I'll get out, I'll, mom, I'm, I'll get him, I'll get him. I walk outside, I, I take a couple of steps, I go, Truman. Come on, Truman. Hi, Mom. What's happening? On the other hand, I take them out. They take care of business. Truman goes in. Chico goes in. Toby goes in. Dylan? Dylan? Dylan, where are you? Dylan, don't make me come get you. I know you're in the chicken coop. And one or two things happens. I either, if I have my shoes, I either go outside, I go down the hill and around to the backyard, and then Dylan's like, hey, what's happening? Or if I don't have my shoes handy, I go through the house to the back porch with the flashlight. Dylan, get in the house. Oh, did you want me? Just kidding. And he goes. Why? Because I'm not his shepherd mom is not truman's shepherd these sheep behave the same way now when we were living because i told you i would drive five hours to church you mean to tell me there wasn't a good church out there in charlotte i mean come on to charlotte yeah there was a good church in fact my friend and i went and visited that church and uh, talk about just the, the, the craziness of God, uh, uh, just the just how God will interweave and cross things in your life. We went to that church, and I was like, well, that was quite the experience, and that was interesting. And, I mean, it was an okay church. It was a good church, but I just, I don't know. It doesn't have the same feel that the church in Murphy has. Oh, My friend was like, really? And I was like, yeah, really. Come to find out years later that uh, that church... It was a, is a church that Brother Randy used to frequently visit. So even though God was trying to intermingle our, our, our connecting, that, uh, we went to that church and I listened to those pastors and I said, that's not them. Here's the other thing about that church. Bill and Sandra Barbie, who are the camp directors who God connected us with 20 years ago, that was their church at that time. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how God will connect you? It's just amazing how God will connect you. And I'm like, really? Wow, okay. But notice he said, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. All of the sheep. I assure you, Truman hears mom's voice. Dylan hears my voice. They hear the voice. Notice what it says. He says, um, He says, uh, the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. They hear the voice of the shepherd. And he calleth his own sheep by name. The shepherd knows their sheep. And leadeth them out. And leadeth them out. Now, I looked at this leadeth them out, and and that was pretty interesting to me. Because uh, it means that he brings them forth. That wasn't the spot I wanted, but it's coming. But notice it says the shepherd knows their sheep. So has been with us for a long time. And we had just stepped into ministry. We had just started doing youth ministry. We were just, we all we had were the few youth that were in the church. And, uh, you know, the pastor's like, you're going to have to go out. You're going to have to, you know, get some, you know, invite youth and stuff to the church. And I was like, okay. But I was so naive and so so wrong in the things of God. I just did everything that the, that the Lord said. I didn't, I didn't know that you were actually supposed to do personal things. I just thought all you had to do was ask God and it would happen. Imagine that. And uh, so mom and I had gone to lunch at Downtown Pizza that day. And when we first went in, we went, oh, why did we come today? Because at the end of the school year, on the, like the last week of school, all of, the fifth, all of the elementary, the fifth graders, because they're moving up and they're graduating from elementary school, they all go to downtown Pizza for like the graduation day. So Mom and I said, so there's like all these fifth graders running around from all the different schools, and we're like, "Oh man, and they're going to eat all the pizza, and you're going to be lying forever." And "Oh, come on, people." So Mom and I are sitting there, and there, and there in the line, was this very round young man, very round jolly young man and the kids behind him, well they were jelly beanish we'll just say you know they had a little roundness about themselves they just weren't fully round they were just mostly round so they thought because because they thought this this very round it was, and they were only slightly round. They thought it was okay to make fun of the very round one. And the very round one was like, ha oh, 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 y'all are so funny. Yeah, I'm going, to, he might be enjoying it. It's going to be great. And I looked at him and I thought, and I looked at mom and I said, you know, I said, mom, look at that young man right there. She said, what about him? I said, you can tell. I said, this, I said, these other, I wasn't fully sanctified just yet. I said these other little portly boys are making fun of him because he's bigger than they are. They don't know that they're portly too. That's what I said, I'm just being honest. Portly, bigger size. I said I said, They're making fun of him. I said, but look at him. I said he's laughing it off. He's taking it in joy. You can tell us you can tell it's hurting his feelings. I mean, you could visibly see it was hurting his feelings. I said, but yet he's taking it in stride. He's taking it in joy. I said, there's just something about him, Mom. And Mom said, you want him for the youth group? I said, I do. I do. I want him in the youth group. I said, he's just got a a light about him. I want him. And she said, and, and so we looked at each other. We said, let's pray. So we did. And we said, Lord. We don't want to steal anybody from anywhere, don't know anything about them. But, Lord, if it's your will, your plan and your purpose for that young man right there, who's clearly hurting but taking it in joy, if it's your will for him to come to our youth group, we'll take him. The shepherd recognizes the sheep. Well, that was it that weekend or the next weekend? I think it was the next weekend. The next weekend... We had one of the dads had a had a truck that had a lift kit on it, had a lift kit on it, and he would bring his daughter to church to, to youth group because we did youth group it on Sunday nights, and uh, so he and, and that was the only thing that was going on at the church, because we had restricted space, so we did regular service in the morning, then we did youth on Sunday nights. So so uh, the, so the dad pulls up, we're like, oh so-and-so's here, let's go out and let's go greater because, you know, it's kind of dark in the parking lot. And uh, we open the door and we hear, whee! <laughs> Just the greatest sound of joy. And we, mom and I both looked at each other and went, <laughs> and Michael's like, Michael goes, what was that? And I said, I guess she brought a friend. I mean, it was, I mean, it was like, it was like, it was not wicked sounding at all. It was complete and utter joy. I mean, complete and utter joy with a great excitement squeal. And I'm sitting there and I was like, okay. He's like, "Wee!" I mean, he just, oh! And out rolled Derek. (laughs) And I do mean rolled. (laughs) Out rolled Derek. <laughs> he's you know, he's still remembering he's like, Man, that chuck was high, that chuck was tall. <laughs> <He's> like <laughs> and mom and I looked at each other and we looked at Michael and we went, That's what we prayed for. He said, Wow, that's pretty cool. Derek's been with us ever since. He'd been with well, he had a few heathen years, but his heart's been with us ever since. But what are we talking about this for? Because the shepherd knows the sheep. A pat believe it or not Believe it or not, a true, anointed, appointed, uh, positioned by God, ordained by God, pastor will know immediately when somebody comes through the door if they're to be a sheep or not. They know immediately. Immediately. There's been people that have come through the door in the church and like, oh, my gosh, they're so nice, they're so sweet. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Because they knew they weren't meant to be here. There's other ones that have come in and I've said, give them a year. About a year out, they're gone. Other ones I'd say, yeah, I think they're meant to be here. Let's just give them time. Brooke was one of them. I knew the minute, I knew the minute she walked through the door. Bridget knew also, because she prayed her in. But, Bridget gets so frustrated. Brooke, go check out these other churches as she rightfully should. And Bridget would say, I just, I wish you, I'd say, Bridget, just be patient. Just be patient. Let her figure it out. Let her figure it out. She'll be all right. She'll come around. Let her go. It'll be okay. See, because the sheep know the voice of their shepherd, and the shepherd know the sheep. Why? Because it's not your choice what church you go to. It's the father God's choice what church you go to. It's the father of God's choice what church and what pastor you sit under because God has put things in that shepherd that you, that sheep, needs. And so you'll know immediately. So they know immediately. It says to him, he says, verse 3, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth out his own sheep by name, And notice the shepherd, does it say he pushes the sheep in the direction they're to go? No. It says he leadeth. But I want you to think about how a shepherd leads. A shepherd leads with a rod and a staff. He says, come on, sheep. Let's go this way. Come on, sheep. Come on. Let's go. And when the sheep is not going the direction they need to go, the shepherd comes around the sheep trying to lead them, and every once in a while he's got to kind of poke that sheep with that staff and say, come on, get in line, get up there with the rest of them. What's he doing? He is leading, and sometimes he leads with a little bit of extra oomph to help that sheep go in the direction they need to go. But for the most part, he leadeth them. It says, and when he put forth his own sheep, uh, he goeth before them. Uh, verse 4, it says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep. The putting forth is the word that I thought, what's that word? The Holy the Spirit prompted me. He said, look up that putting forth. It means to cast out, to drive out, to send out. So first, the shepherd will show up, and the shepherd will call the sheep by name. And the sheep will hopefully come. But if the sheep is being problematic, he will actually, uh, he will actually cast out, get that sheep. He'll drive that sheep out of the sheepfold. He'll put, he'll apply some pressure. It actually, with a notion of violence to drive out or to cast out, he'll put some pressure on that sheep. He'll, um, yeah, uh, he'll he'll uh, see because sometimes sheep will say, I ain't going that way. I want to go this way. What he'll do is he'll stick out his rod or his staff or he'll get behind him and he'll he'll deprive that sheep of its power to go a different direction. That's what it means to put forth. He'll say, no, no, sheep, we're going this way. Come on, sheep. Let's go. Another thing that this put forth means, it, another tactic that the shepherd will use, which also means put forth, means he'll compel. He'll compel the sheep. Uh, he'll compel one to depart. He'll say, no, no, sheep, you don't want to go that way. Come on, come on, sheep. Come on, sheep. Come on, sheep. Come on, sheep. Let's go this way, sheep. He'll compel the sheep. He'll say, come on, sheep. Let's go this way. Uh, he'll bid the sheep. Um, Uh, he'll use rapid motion of the one going, uh, of of the one going is transferred to the one sending forth. So what he'll do is he'll say that sheep starts to kind of run that way. That shepherd will run out in front of them and compel him to go the other way. No, stop. The The shepherd will actually put themselves in harm's way to get the sheep to go the right way. There is some force Noted with compelling the sheep to go the direction the sheep need to go. Why does the shepherd do this? Um, it, it 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 actually means um, uh, to use force of overcoming opposite force. So when the sheep are like ah, oh, when the sheep are like mm, I want to go to the swift water, the shepherd runs out there and goes ah, oh! get back here, get over here. How much you know that sheep goes. Why does the shepherd do that? The shepherd does that to help, put, to help protect the sheep. He's trying to protect the sheep. You know, people have this idea that the shepherd is all sweet and kind and plays a little pipe. And, you know, no, the shepherds are out there doing some work. It, he, said, he said, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, in other words, when he gets them going in the right direction, he goeth, uh, once he gets the sheep going, he says, he goeth before them. So what the shepherd will do is he'll get them out of the pen. Then he'll once he gets them out of the pen, he gets them all gathered up with some force, gets them going, and now once the sheep are all in line, he goes, Okay, now follow me. Now follow me. For they know his voice, and the sheep follow. The sheep are like, Oh, we know what we're doing. We know how to do this. Okay, let's go. And they go the right way. So this is the job of the shepherd. So the shepherd really, really what the shepherd wants, the shepherd really just wants to be able to say, come on sheep, let's go. And he just wants to walk him to the grazing field and be done. But the sheep don't always get in line right off the bat so he's got to do some compelling he's got to do some wrangling he's got to get him in line and then once he gets him in line then he can go but notice that the ideal is he go with before them how much do you know jesus goes before us jesus goes before us well why would the why would the shepherd not go behind us because the shepherd is clearing the path the shepherd is clearing the way the shepherd is making sure that the path is clear of enemies. And so is it good for the sheep to get out from behind the shepherd? No, it's not. He said, he said, for they know his voice. Once the shepherd, and these guys, especially the young ones, they're like, ooh, that pastor, there's that look. How much you know the sheep just went, dang, we're going the wrong way. Well, why? Because the sh- they know the voice. They know. When the shepherd gets out goes. Ah, 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 he goes, go, oh, he don't want us going that way or that way. He wants us going this way. <laughs> you know, that's the voice. They know their shepherds. They understand their shepherds. Notice he says, notice he says, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow. A stranger... Which is, what is a stranger? It's somebody belonging to another. It's somebody that's foreign, that's strange, that's not of his own family, that's an alien or an enemy. Believe it or not, there are shepherds or people. Let me say it this way. There are people that will present themselves as shepherds, but they're actually your enemy. They actually work For the enemy. Who is the enemy of God? Satan. So there are people in the ministry, I'm sorry to say it, that are thieves and robbers that are presenting themselves as shepherds, as ministers, as pastors. So he's explaining this to them. Now, And he was talking to the Pharisees at this time. We saw that last week. In verse 6 it says, This parable spake Jesus unto them. But they understood not what things they were which he spoke unto them. They didn't understand all the stuff I just explained to you. Because all he did was just said it. He didn't explain any of it. He just said it. And they didn't understand it. Verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, verily, verily. He said, I'm telling you. He said, play very close attention. I'm telling you an infallible truth. I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. Which means only a legitimate pastor, ha- the only way that somebody is a legitimate pastor, the only way that somebody is a legitimate shepherd is they have to become a shepherd through Jesus. It's the only way. That's the only way. What does that mean? That means they have to be called. Chosen, anointed, appointed, ordained, and placed in office by God. Did you hear me? Placed in office by God. So when you're looking for your shepherd, you need to find out how did that shepherd get placed into office? How did it happen? In mine and Michael's case, we got placed by God. We got positioned. God called us to a set church. We served in that church. We ser- when that pastor moved home to heaven, this is what the Lord told me uh, years later. When that pastor moved home to heaven, I can tell you exactly how the son-in-law and the daughter became the pastor's. It was at the hand and the will of men. Not one of them asked God, How do you know? I was in the meeting. They said, It only makes sense. This is what we think. I was in the room. That's how I know. Years later, And nothing against them. They all met well. They all met well. Nothing against any of them. Years later... 2019, I was driving to Tulsa, and I was talking to the Lord, I'd been praying. It was a 17-hour drive, I'd been praying in the Holy Ghost the whole way, driving to Tulsa for a meeting. Michael was on a fire, and the Lord began to talk to me, and he asked me, he said, How? he said, Why did your pastor not name a successor? I thought, that's a really weird question because I wasn't in the hospital. I had no idea what my pastor did or didn't do. So I thought, that's a weird question. I said, thou knowest, Lord. Listen, I'm going to help you. If the Lord asks you a question, rather than give him your opinion, just say, thou knowest. Because he already knows the answer before he asked you the question. So I said, thou knowest. I don't know, Lord. You know. This is what the Lord told me. He said, because your pastor knew that neither the family nor the board of his church would accept his choice. Because I've already spoken to him who it was supposed to be. That moment, I probably should have pulled over the side of the road, but I was too close to the hotel, so just tears, 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 tears. There was nobody else on the highway, so I felt safe. And I said, oh. And the Lord said, I am fixing to remove your, those that you call your pastors from the ministry. I'm fixing to remove them. And when I do, you're going to take the blueprint that I have already given you, and you are going to close your mentoring pastor's ministry. Let me tell you, that church does not exist anymore. That ministry does not exist anymore. There was no anointing on it anymore. It's completely closed. He said, you're going to close that ministry. You're going to give the people a chance to heal. And then you and Mike are going to open the ministry that I've given you the blueprint for under the original anointing. Because I'm going to anoint you with that. I didn't say a word to Michael. Not a single solitary word. I didn't say one word, nothing to my husband. What well, was it, about a week to two weeks before it all blew up? I took my notebook into my mom and I said, Can you look at this? Was it about a month? I, I, I took it to her and I said, Can you look at this? And I said, Just tell me what your opinion is as she read the list. And she said, you know, this is a church, right? I said, I'm not talking to you anymore. And I went out of the room. I said, don't say a word. I'm I'm not talking to you anymore. Because I was trying to convince myself it was a traveling ministry is what I was trying to convince myself of. So I didn't say a word. So about a month later, everything blows up and it's crazy. Life is happening. And Michael looks at me. He says, you know, we're supposed to become pastors. You know, we're supposed to take the flock and be pastors, right? And I was like, wait, what did you say? He said, you know, we're suppo- every, we're, everything's going to close down. We're supposed to take the congregation. It's supposed to be pastors. You know that, right? And I was like, when did the Lord tell you that? Oh, months ago. Why didn't you say anything? He said, I ain't going to say nothing. <laughs> I said, oh, on that note, hold on. I went and got my notebook and said, look. And he went, oh, God placed us here. God placed us here. How was Tommy placed there? Because there were people looking for a spirit filled pastor and they were praying and, and and uh Tommy Tommy called in and said, i I'm looking for a church, you know, is there any churches in this general and actually what he did is he called in he called the uh, the association he was with, he said, Just out of curiosity, he said, Is there any churches in like the the North Carolina, like the corner the western corner of North Carolina looking for a church and they said no and he said Lord he said they're not looking for anybody about a week later he Lord said call him again he called him again no about a couple of weeks later he said he said I don't know he said us why he said I can't I just can't get away from this I'm gonna call the office one more time and he called the office and he said just out of curiosity and she said hold on hold on hold on and she dug through some paperwork she said. We just got a phone call this morning. There's a church in Murphy, North Carolina that's once a spirit-filled Ramo pastor. Are you willing to go there? He said, no. They said, well, then why are you asking? He said, well, because the Lord just kept telling me to call you, but no, we don't want to go to North Carolina. We definitely don't want to go to little North Carolina. He said, he said, so he, they said, well, it's available. You want to at least check it out? So he and his wife got to praying about it. And they came to check it out with the full intent of saying no. And when they got here, God just dropped it in their heart. Boom. They were the first full gospel, spirit-filled church in this region. First ones. That's how we got here. Many, many, many other churches got here supernaturally by God but through generations have remained even though God hasn't kept them. You have to make sure that the pastor is called and anointed and appointed by God. This is why many ministers are leaving the ministry today. It's because they were never placed there by God and Satan is eating their lunch. Notice what he said. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. A lot of problems in the church today is because there's thieves and robbers in the pulpit and the sheep won't listen to them. That's why. He said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter an inn, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, Jesus is shifting gears just a little bit. This, The first time he was talking about the church when he said, Verily, verily, I am the door of the sheep. All that come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. He's talking about the local church. Now, in verse 9, he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Nobody comes to the kingdom of God except for through Jesus. You ha- if you're going to be born again, if you're going to be saved, you have to come through Jesus. You can't come through Allah. You can't come through Buddha. You can't come through man-made Jesus. You have to come through the Son of the living God. You can't come through through cow God. Do you know? Yeah, you can't come through the Father. But how much do you know you can't come through cow God? Do you know what cow God is? Anybody know what cow God is? Cow God is the Hindu God. <clears throat> they believe that the cows are God. And whatever cow God wants, that's what cow God does. We have a missionary friend that goes to India several times a year. He's been doing it for years and years and years. And uh this is the way he says he's he they drive him and he'll they'll stop. They just come to a dead stop and he'll say, "What are we doing? Why are we stopped?" They say, "Oh, brother Tony. Oh, brother Tony, brother Tony. Cow God lay down. Where Cow God lay down? Cow God lay down and we stop. When Cow get up and when Cow when Cow God get up and move, we move. We Cow cal- Cow God Cow God in the road. Can't we go around Cow God? No, Brother Tony. No, no, no. No, you have to You have to wait for Cow God. <laughs> no, no. Cow God. God laid down. You don't go around Cow God. No, no. No, no. No. You can't get to heaven through Cow God. You can't get through heaven. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. He said, the only way in, the only way in is through me and you shall be saved. You shall go in, you come into the kingdom, and then you go out into this present world. And when you go out, you find pasture. What does that mean? Once you have come into the body of Christ, I, Christ, will send you out to the pasture of my choice why because the shepherd leads you according to his choice he's the one that sends you out to the shepherd to the pasture now we know john 10 10 the thief cometh not but to steal to kill and to destroy but i am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly well i thought this was talking about satan it is Who do you think sends the thieves and the robbers? Satan. Satan. Who do you think sends out the hirelings? Satan. Because the only way you can come in is through Jesus. That's the only way. So, while this is definitely... Notice it says... Notice he says, the thief. Pastor Mike pointed this out when we were reading it. And I went... Wow. Notice in verse 1, he says, any one, singular, that comes in is a thief and a robber, talking about an individual that rises up. But notice in verse 8, he says, all that have ever come before me are thieves and robbers. He's talking about multiple. That's plural, thieves and robbers. But then in verse 10, he says, the thief. Notice Jesus referred to himself as The door. Jesus is the door. Satan is the thief. He says, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. When you get under a shepherd that was not placed there by God, you will get church hurt. Let me say that again. When you sit under a shepherd that was not placed by the hand of God, you will or some people will get church hurt. Why? Because they're all thieves and robbers. I I I've, I've I've heard of this. I actually know people that this has happened to. They get they go into a church. They think, "Man, this is the church. They're connected to this ministry. They got this going on. They got that going on. They picked the church based on their emotion, based on what they wanted. They picked the church. They gathered into the church, and then in the middle of the night, their pastor and his wife took all of the church money, packed up their house, packed up the church, and moved away with nobody knowing it. Why? Thieves and robbers. Thieves and robbers. All right? Thieves and robbers. Somebody that opens a church. Oh, they're serving a... If Derek, I, I can use him as an example. This will never happen because uh, he's very trustworthy. If Derek starts serving in ministry, actually, I can't say it will never happen because he's got to guard himself because Satan could. This is how Satan gets in. Derek's on the praise team. The number one way the demon gets in a church is through the praise team. Number one way the devil gets in the church is through the praise team. Why? Because Satan was the god of music in heaven and he knows how to work the people. This happens. I know several churches that this has happened to. The praise and worship leader gets to listening to Satan. You're so gifted. You're so anointed. The the people would not get into the spirit if it wasn't for your anointing. Oh, the people just love you. And the people start building them up. And the people start going to them. And before you know it, because this is another crazy thing that happens in the church, if somebody in the church has a problem, they will not go to the pastor. What? They won't because they don't want the pastor to think badly of them they don't want the pastor to know that they're struggling they don't want the pastor to have a, a, the the pastor to know that they're that the word's not working for them they want the pastor to believe that they're super christian so what they'll do is they'll go to the next person that they perceive is in charge and if the pastor has a good relationship with the with the praise leader they're going to go talk to the praise leader, or they're going to go talk to the youth worker, the youth pastors, or they're going to go talk to this person. And they're going to go, psh, psh. and before you know it, that youth minister or that music minister has half the congregation in his pocket. And because the devil's in there psh, 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 talking to him, he says, you know what? Well, I don't like the way the pastor's doing things, and half the people are displeased. So I'm going to go find me a building down the street, most of the time within a mile to two miles of the church, and I'm going to open my own ministry. How much do you know God didn't do that? God's not going to split a ministry. He's not going to do that. God's not, going to be God's not going to compete with himself. No, this is a thief that's come in. He said, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come, Jesus the great shepherd, I am come that they might have life and have that life more abundantly. Which we talk about that verse a lot. We teach on that verse a lot. And I'm just going to bypass that verse because I want to get to verse 11. Jesus said, now, first he called himself the door. Why did he call himself the door? Because every shepherd that comes to the sheepfold need to come through Jesus. Every pastor that become, every person that becomes a pastor, they need to do it at the Lord's leading, at God's leading, at God's direction. Every single one of them. But then Jesus said, I am. But now Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Remember, he just said the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And then he said, I am the good shepherd. Now, in a prior scripture, there was a young man that came to him and said, good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good but the father. But now Jesus says, well, I'm the good shepherd. Well, this sounds contradictory. No, because the, 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 the other person that came to him was looking at him as a man. Jesus is talking to, him, talking to them about being <clears throat> a, a, a caregiver of the sheep. And he said, I'm good at being a caregiver of the sheep. This is how Jesus described himself. When you look up this word, good, he said, I'm a beautiful shepherd. I'm a handsome shepherd. I'm an excellent shepherd. I'm an eminent shepherd. I'm a choice shepherd. I'm a surpassing shepherd. I'm a precious shepherd. I am a useful shepherd. I am a suitable shepherd. I am a commendable shepherd. I am an admirable, <coughs> admirable shepherd. I am beautiful to look at. I'm shapely and magnificent. I'm good. I'm, check this one out. I am excellent in nature and character. I am excellent in nature and in character. He said, um, and therefore well adapted to its ends. He said, I'm genuine, approved, and precious. I'm praiseworthy, notable. I am a shepherd of pure heart and life. (laughs) He said, I am honorable. I am agreeable. And I am confirming. In other words, when Jesus is your shepherd, you don't have anything to be concerned about because he is the good shepherd. He, is, he, has, he has good character. He's noble. He's admirable. He's, he's going to take care of his... He's going to put his sheep ahead of himself. How much you know that's exactly what he did when he went to the cross for his sheep? That's exactly what he did and he expects his pastors to be the same. He expects his pastors to be the same. He said, "I am the good shepherd." Let me just finish this verse. He said, "I am the good He said, "I am the good shepherd." The good shepherd giveth giveth his life for his sheep. A good shepherd will give their life. A good shepherd will surrender all that they have to take care of their sheep. And Jesus requires that of his pastors. So this is one way that you can know if you have a good shepherd. Does your shepherd have the same characteristics as Jesus? Now, let me balance that out. Jesus had the fullness of the Holy Ghost upon him. In today's world, most of us pastors have come out of a hard world and we've got some hard things that we've got to get out of our past. So sometimes we make mistakes. But if your pastor is willing to come to you and say, listen, I missed it, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I shouldn't have used that tone, I shouldn't have been that way, or, you know, I did use that tone or I was that way because you needed it. Because remember, the shepherd will use force when necessary. And sometimes it is necessary to use force, especially if you're a hard-headed sheep. If you're a sheep that that shepherd has dealt with and 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 dealt with and, dealt with and, dealt with, and you still are just as hard-headed, yeah, your shepherd will get rough with you. How many of you know Jesus got rough with his disciples? Go look at how many times Jesus rebuked and reproved and chastised his disciples. Go look it up. Go do a study on it. You'll be shocked and amazed how many times Jesus rebuked, reproved, and chastised his disciples. It was was more than you think. It was a regular occurrence. But yet he said, I'm a good shepherd. Why? Why? Because a good shepherd will do what's necessary to keep the sheep safe. Glory to God. It's quiet in this house tonight. Glory, glory, glory. Well, praise the Lord. That's not just for everybody in the house. That's for everybody online too. Um, you know, And if you have a good shepherd, go tell them you have a good shepherd. And I'm not looking for kudos for myself. We actually have a very large online audience. I shouldn't say audience, congregation. We have a very large online congregation. And so, uh, and some of them have shepherds and some of them don't. Those of you that have shepherds and you know you have a good shepherd, go tell your shepherd, you're a good shepherd and I appreciate you. Go tell them. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Pastor Michael be home Friday sometime. Um, do uh, remember. Um, Miss Sandy in prayer, if you haven't already prayed for her, you know, the, her uh, you know, Bridget's dad, Miss Sandy's husband, went home a year ago today, so just lift her up in prayer, and, uh, and uh, we just thank the Lord, and, and if you need us, just reach out to us. We're always available. Um, Zach, if you'll come tonight, I appreciate it. I'll give Derek a break. He's been working his feet, and we don't want to overdo it. So, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. Father, we glorify you and we magnify you. Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Father, we thank you that you are the Good Shepherd and you lead and guide and direct us to the place that you would have us to go. And, Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor. Now, Father, as we sow our tithes and our offerings tonight, Father, we thank you that you bring increase to each and every person. Father, we ask that you give seed to the sower. And, Father, we glorify you and we magnify you. And, Father, we ask that you bring increase to the ministry, you bring increase into the, into the hands of those that sow, even those that sow by faith. And, Father, we thank you that your word is true, that Satan is bound, the angels are released, and your word is working. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You can serve the people. Glory to God. Thank you. Ran a little over, but it's necessary sometimes. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. And uh, glory, glory, glory. And, uh, but on that, we're dismissed. Have a wonderful week. If you need us, let us know.